It's August 2nd, 2009, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame, and today we're in for something a little different. Instead of hearing from one photographer, you'll be hearing from five. Where you're used to hearing from a photographer with an established career, you'll be hearing from men and women who are about to embark on a professional photographic life after attending the Art Center College of Design. Each of these photographers has a distinctive body of work and a unique approach to the craft, as you'll discover when you visit their websites. But what they share is an abiding love for seeing and crafting images that convey that joy into a photograph. In less than two weeks from this original airing, and if you're in the Los Angeles area, you'll have an opportunity to discover their work for yourself at the grad show at the Hillside Campus. And if you can, I recommend you attend. If not, there'll be a link on the blog where you can link to these and other photographers from this year's graduating class. If you like what you hear today, but especially if you find yourself responding to any of these photographers' works, I ask you to take the time to drop them a line and let them know that. This is a big step, and I think the encouraging words from passionate photographers, editors, and art buyers like you can mean a whole lot. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Amber Gress, Maurice Salazar, Joseph Escamilla, Anthony Cobos, and Cecilia Gavilla. Okay. So we're here at Art Center in the afternoon with no power. So this is very unlike what this place usually is. But um, thank you guys for uh, coming coming here on a Saturday to talk about what you guys do. And what we're going to do is going to go around the circle real quickly and uh, just introduce yourself and the kind of work that you do. I'm Amber Grass, and I shoot mostly portraits. Uh, Joseph Escamilla, and I shoot portraits and product. Uh, my name is Maurice Salazar. I'm a portrait photographer. Also, uh, found still lives and landscapes. Uh, my name is Cecilia Gavia, and I shoot stylized portraiture. My name is Anthony Cobles, and I shoot advertising and motorsports. All of you guys are going to be graduating in a couple of weeks, which is a big deal. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I was thinking about one of the first questions I wanted to, to, to post to you guys is you guys are graduating at a very challenging time, you know, in terms of the economy. And a lot of people, though they would aspire to become photographers, professional photographers, they make much safer choices. Um, and I commend you for making the choice to become, you know, creative photographers. But my question to anyone who wants to answer it is, why become a photographer now? Well, I, I always kind of think back as to uh, what I've heard in lectures from instructors. Um, on how successful you want to be and what that means to you. For many people, if it's monetary, you go find something else that's way easier to do to make a lot more money. Uh, so at least what's, what's driving me, I, and I'm, I'm going to lightly speak for the group, and you guys can disagree, but uh, it's, it's taking that picture and, um, well, having it rock your boat in a way. And that's what's going to keep us going if it means sacrificing money and time in life, it's it's a, it's well rewarded through that image and being paid for it. I think for me, it's what makes me want to be a photographer more than anything is that it allows me to investigate everything. Like I I want to be everything, and so instead I'm gonna you know focus on photography and then and make my investigation through photography. Why is it so important that you use a camera? Because there's so many other creative ways of being able to express those ideas that you're talking about. There's, there's writing, there's illustration, there's, there's you know, filmmaking. What is it about this still image that, that makes you so passionate about it? How about you, Cecil? Um, I am a fairly artistic person, so I, I can do, I can draw, I can sculpt, I can do whatever, but it wasn't until I really picked up a camera and explored it completely, the process of it, whereas setting things up, shooting them, and then retouching, that really managed to 
helped me produce um, the images that were in my mind. It's, it's the realism and the escape from realism and the manipulation of reality that's more efficiently produced through camera than anything else, at least for me. How much is it about control? It's all about control. <laughs> all of it, 100%. <laughs> if, you know, I've tried painting and the medium is fickle. And sculptor, you, you can't always mold things at, to your will. But photography seems to be thus far the one thing that I've been able to control 100%. I think it's, it's partly also just like a social medium. And for me, that's important. Like when I think I tried taking graphic design classes and I started thinking about the life of designers and how lonely that can be and like being yeah. in your studio by yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that person. I want to interact. I want to go out in the world. I want to see people and meet people and have like a, build a connection with people. So for me, it's also very much a social medium, which is what I like. Okay. Well, Joseph and, and Anthony, you guys do still life's architecture, which doesn't, even though I know you do, do a good amount of people, both on the subject matter that don't necessarily have to involve people. So how does this thing that Amber's talking about in terms of this sort of social connection, not only with the people that you're photographing, but the people who are viewing your photographs, play in, in your work? I think it's like for me, I know when I do shoot architecture, it's showing the building the way I see it. It's kind of cool, I think, is how I try to use the medium. Um, I, like, a lot of my personal work is like this weird kind of industrial stuff. So, like, I see it a different way than other people see it. People walk up and they're like, it's kind of whatever. It's some old building. It's it's um, an eyesore. But I, I like to take it and make it look like a little extraordinary. And that's how I use the medium for me. And it's the easiest way for me to get it across to people that way, to show what I see. But you just yeah no it's it's all about about photographing it the way that you see it and just like Anthony was saying it's it's kind of like the way you see it is different than what somebody else might see but then also there's this whole element of control that you're able to exert over one specific image instead of you know say film you know you go out and you have a crew of fifty people fifty plus people and you're one small piece of that. When you're shooting on stage or shooting, you know, a person, whatever it is, architecture, you can be that one person making all the decisions to make it what you want instead of what a committee of, you know, producers wants. How has your idea of what a photographer is changed from the first days you walked into this place and now? Business. (laughs) <laughs> it's just like I got into this because I was like, you know what? I can do art. It'd be fun. I don't have to worry about the business side. And the more and more I've learned it is like you need to be a businessman to like make it work, it seems like. Like everyone's always like, yeah, it's like, you know, 5% and then the rest is business. So it's uh, that's the biggest like eye-opening thing for me when I got here. And, well, despite that 95% business and the 5% uh, creativity, uh, the creativity that I had in mind when I was first attending school was um, was very broad. Um, it didn't really have anything driving it. But after this uh, this three year journey, um, I, I see photographers as storytellers, as directors, orchestrating that reality that, that we're trying to control when we're taking a photograph. So. Um. And also to speak to what we were talking about earlier, because we just all got done doing meeting with ad agencies and photo editors and all these kind of people. But just like when you go into it, you think, oh, it's so free and creative. But then you realize that people want you to identify with something specific because people prefer to have something that's like neatly packaged and they need to know like... Are you a happy lifestyle photographer? Are you um, an architecture photographer? So that's something that's definitely changed, is like trying to find your identity, which is really difficult, I think, mm. for all of us. Or something for them to... To grab onto. To, to, yeah, to easily understand. Right. The, the mystery, the obscurity is, uh, I think, is, it's not as precise in, from a selling standpoint. Right. But I think through uh, cracking a few eggs and taking a few chances, we can introduce that mystery and... Back to the general public and be okay with it instead of having everything spoon-fed directly. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a tough thing. <laughs> when, when you're at this stage, when you're making that transition from being you know, a student to being a professional photographer, 
um, sometimes you can begin second-guessing yourself in terms of the work that you're pursuing. Because you're looking at it and you're going, I love making this kind of work, but is it commercially viable? Can I actually make money from this? And I think every photographer experiences that, but I think particularly in your situation, it's even more more pronounced. So how are you dealing with that sort of conflict in, in putting together your portfolios, putting together your website, deciding what images you're going to use like you did um, uh, this week for the, uh, for the speed dating? It's really frustrating because I thought I had a, a style that was evident and that everyone would pick up on, but all of a sudden... Uh, the majority of the people that we re- reviewed with were telling me that I was four different people. Mm-hmm. And those four categories maybe have five images each. So, you know, what do I do now? Do I make four different books with five things? Do I just decide to go forward and try to find jobs that way? So I have to decide if I'm going to try to predict the commercial people's needs or if I'm just going to bravely move forward with what I have. I'm going to have to move forward because if I second-guess myself at all, I'm not going to look for work. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay at home depressed and get a part-time job somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, How about you, Joseph? Well, kind of having been through this already after graduating from UC San Diego with you know my degree in visual arts and coming out, having this, this somewhat fine art-tuned book was absolutely not viable commercially whatsoever. I had no idea where it would be going. I had no idea what it would be good for. So I think it's it's really easy to get into the, the trap of thinking that that what you're doing is not good enough and so you have to create more or go somewhere else and do something else. But I think if you just if you just take that and move forward and then continually revise what you already have into something that people are understanding, then that's probably the best way to go. <laughs> okay, how about how about this? You know, considering those challenges and what do you think what qualities do you think you possess or have developed over the last several years that's going to allow you to move that? Cuz I, I think it's a that's sort of a wall that everyone has to go through and for a lot of people who who never end up doing this, they let that wall keep them from taking that next step and moving through it to the, to the next thing. So what do you think are the strengths that you have that either you've developed or, that, or, or, or whatever it is that you think will allow you to move that to your ne- the next stage in your career? Um, I was just talking about this with, with a girlfriend of mine. She makes music, and we were talking about the reactions that we get from other people. And I was just saying, I've learned to, I just feel like I'm more resilient now. And it's like, either way, you don't, you, you don't, you take everything with a grain of salt. It's not like, you don't get devastated when somebody says, oh, I don't really like that image. You just, you just go, okay. And then you go to the next person. And then you don't even get that excited about someone saying they love it. You just do it. You just keep making it. You don't worry about that. And I feel like that's what I've learned more than anything. I can, I can just keep going. And I think that's the most important thing that I've learned for myself. Uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll rephrase that in a different way. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, for me, it, once again, going back through this three-year journey in school, it's, um, it's acceptance. Uh, acceptance not only for yourself, what you believe in, but then the type of work that you would create. Um, I get asked, uh, because I, I've been a mentor here uh, a few times, been asked, what are the best classes to take to make you the best photographer? And I say, school is only here to collaborate with you, not so much to put you in your place in a successful level. You have to collaborate, and uh, primarily it's just a lot of soul-searching. I've gone around in circles, ups and downs, and it's just becoming comfortable in your own skin Mm -hmm. and thus resulting in in confidence. So that's that's, that's what I've learned. What I have is a strength, I believe. Hopefully it works. <laughs> I think the biggest thing for me was even just coming up here. Mm-hmm. Like I was in a job that I was like set and I was doing photo and I was liking it, but I was in a job outside of, you know, creative world, like making money and actually doing pretty well. And it was just like, this is what I want to do. So I'm just going to leave this job and go to school and who knows what's going to happen. And hopefully it works out. And that was like the, like the biggest thing I think I learned to like go just do it. Don't think about it. 
just go for what you love and just make it happen. Yeah. What role did your families play in, in this? Because I think... Good luck. When... See you later. <laughs> <laughs> no more money. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I think when most people want to be a photographer, they think, oh, you want to be a wedding photographer. Right. You know? People always I mean, ask me that. That's, yeah. that's sort of the consensus. But My then parents, people... to this day, still tell people I'm studying to be a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> Which is partly true. When I'm there, <laughs> in front of you. <laughs> I guess it's kind of true. You're right. Yeah, a little bit. But... It's kind of devastating that yeah. my own mother can't be like, yeah, tons of low and dead over there. Well, Good know. luck. Oh, I, I think that I speak for all of us because we I think that we all come from like working class families mm. and it's harder for a different generation to understand that. And so like more power to all of us yeah. <laughs> for taking that risk because it's really hard like to t- make that leap of faith because my parents are awesome and they'll do whatever like they support everything I do but they don't always understand it and that's fine with me you know but and I think that until something comes of all of this they won't really understand it so that's even like a bigger leap of faith for us I've been pretty lucky my mom is pretty much always supporting with stuff like Amber was saying and with this it was like I got into photo like in high school and like I was like, I want to take pictures. That's what I didn't do, Mom. And she was like, yeah, do it. Go for it. Do what you have to do to make it happen. And she always helped me with that stuff. So for me, it was like always had that support pushing me to like, that's what you want to do. Go for it. Make it happen. So I was pretty lucky that way. And you're married and you have a child, so you have a whole different set of challenges. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Let me see. Where do I begin? Uh, in the very beginning, of course, because we we're, we're studying and we... Um, we're involved with the practice that's it's very much accessible to the, the general public. Not everyone has these drawing skills. Not everyone has uh, skills to sculpt, but everyone can grab a camera and, and click. And I was told this by my wife when she's like, uh, I believe it was a light joke, but some truth comes out in jokes. Uh, she's like, oh, yeah, all you do is take pictures. Ugh. I said, uh, yes, yes. But um, up until recently, let's say maybe the, the past year, year and a half, taking her on shoots, uh, having her understand not only pre-production, post-production, but uh, trying to find your voice out in the world and also the, the impact that imagery has had in history and is going to continue to have out in the world. Uh, she's, she's gotten this uh, higher level of respect for what I do and what I want to do. Uh, my parents... Are barely jumping on board. They like when I dress up for, for meetings. Uh, and and, and, this, and this, this goes back to, uh, to Amber's uh, comment of them coming from a, a different time where dressing up in a suit and going to a job with a briefcase, heading to a cubicle, meant success okay. because it meant leaving the field. It meant leaving the, the mechanic's garage and, and being situated, being successful. Yet this is uh, not so much taking a leap forward into the future, but taking a sidestep where you can still be successful and uh, carry your childhood with you, which is your imagination, your ambition. So, yeah, but dealing with family in school and this profession, uh, it's not easy and will not continue to be easy, but um, we, we've all come to accept it to a point. Yeah. How about you, Jeff? <laughs> it took a long time to convince parents that uh that what i was going to do was not just like oh you should weddings right or you know open up you know some really bad like magazine they picked up in a hotel in vegas it's like oh like this stuff (laughs) (laughs) no not that and so after bringing home magazines and be like like this like see everything that you see everything that you look at you know every advertisement that you pass by that's shot by a photographer and they don't all do weddings, and they don't all do all this, you know, crazy stuff. But not that we're against wedding photography. No, not that we're against wedding <laughs> photography, but but, wedding but there's more. <laughs> it just yeah. seems like every like any time you mention you're a photographer, like it's like oh weddings, because right. that's the only one that they're familiar but, with. Right, as like a job. As I a guess job. maybe that's what it is. And I think it's yeah. most people too, not just family. It's like yeah. you talk yeah, to exactly. anybody, yeah, like yeah, yeah. oh, you're gonna do weddings, or you're gonna do this, or and you're like no, but I mean, there's bigger things. Like Joseph was saying, like. Everything you look at is photos. Oh, like, I've been meaning to buy a camera. What's a good one to buy? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> What's your budget? <laughs> you, you bring up a good point about class, which I think is important. Because historically, photography was the enclave of 
sort of the very rich and men and, and men mm-hmm. and <laughs> and over the it's you know it's since the 35 millimeter camera it made the process of photography a little more democratic but over the last you know i think probably 20 30 years in terms of people from working class backgrounds having the possibility of actually having photographic careers has i think really opened up and what do you and but despite that the people who make the decisions in terms of the editors the, the art buyers they're they're still of a, of a certain sort of class so in terms of that issue in terms of your work what sort of challenges do you think you face or what excites you about um, coming from a working class background and entering this field in, of creative of being creating uh, photographs Okay, I guess I'll, I'll start. <laughs> uh, as we were discussing earlier, I, again, have like this imaginary pole that I've been thinking of recently where on one side of the spectrum we have fine artwork. It's uh, extremely difficult to understand at times, yet it's supposed to uh, hold a meaning of life, while on the other side we have commercial work, which is easily accessible. We know it's a happy picture, an excitement picture, a sexual picture, uh a picture of horror or terror. Um, yet, at least in my work, I like to stand in the middle and have both sides influence the work where it is technically proficient, but it's not solely relying on that. It still has a little bit of mystery for you to think about. Yet, if someone's going to ask me if they can find the meaning of life in this picture, I tell them I don't know. It, it becomes uh, very open to that general public. I'm forgetting your question at the moment, class. but uh, okay, class. Thank you. Um, oh, I'm not sure if it deals with class, but I think it's gonna think it's gonna deal. Oh, sorry. Well, I was just gonna say to, to speak what you were talking about. Like you, earlier, you were saying that you wanted to be accessible to the general public, so you're yes. addressing class in that way. Yeah. That you're, it's not for just the commercial or the fine art. You're addressing class as you're the voice for every man. And, kind and, of. And I think we were saying. What I think. What I hope to see in the future, uh, and this is uh, two reasons why. First of all, the economic standing of the U.S. right now, and second, the the incoming of the green movement. I believe um, the images that land in the middle, they aren't relying so much on the technical or so much on the philosophical, are going to become used at an everyday basis for advertisement. Uh, Recently, I saw a Clorox commercial where there was a woman in her... uh, Clean uh, bathroom, just wearing jeans, T-shirt, no makeup, some window light coming in. So it's very different from 10 years ago where everything was hyper-real, mm-hmm. overly lit. And um, again, it's, it's coinciding with the economic times that we have right now and these new philosophies that we're beginning to hone in on where those images, I think, are going to take off in the ad world. So that's what's exciting me, and a, a shift in class that way, mm-hmm. at least for my benefit, I hope. <laughs> Over here. Mm. I guess to go back to like the original question you were saying like how is it sorry Sorry, I know no 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 no. but I just I like that question and I think it's important because you're talking about historically there and even now there's still like a class system in place and for me it's one of those things that's exciting because it does seem scary you know to try to like break into this world that has sort of seems off limits and I think that that's like a good challenge. I'm always up for a challenge, and it's definitely scary, but, and it freaks me out, but I accept it, and I, and I want to go for it. And d- having those meetings the other day was definitely a good experience because it makes it less scary. It's like people are just people, and I try mm-hmm. to just remember that. Um, but in our minds, you know, there's these different things that come up, and it's, I think it's good to just... Well, one of the people we met with, he was like, there's so much diversity in our group. In our group, mm-hmm. really. And, you know, he was referring to ethnic diversity, <laughs> but oh, it's okay. it's good that people are noticing right. that yeah. things are no longer the way they were. Right. And, you know, I remember reading on a, a photo editor a couple of months ago something oh, about yes. the all-white PDN panel. Right. And the fact that people are noticing that it's an all-white panel, I think, is a positive shift towards things where normally maybe in the past it was overlooked. Right. So. And hopefully that was almost in correlation to what I heard from, uh, again, this was at, at the meeting that we had, from uh, one of the people saying how diverse the work was and how it was breaking away from this art center look yes. that he had seen for years and, years and years and years. So um, hopefully it is these 
classes from different parts of the world, these classes who have had different economical history producing different work. Mm-hmm. From One of the interesting things for me doing the show for the last three, three and a half years has been in discovering photographers. And it was amazing to me how um, oftentimes it was white male photographers that always seemed to keep coming up to the fore, you know. And I've made a real effort um, to try to make it as diverse as possible. But for me, I have found that it's taken that much more effort to find those photographers, you know. And I've been, and, and I've not really completely sort of understood it, mm-hmm. you know, because there are certain names that come up all the time. Right. But I'm, I'm, and I don't think it's so much about the quality of the work, mm-hmm. as it is these photographers' ability to really sort of master the idea of marketing, promotioning, getting their names out there. And I think that's sort of the biggest thing because I discover some amazing work, but it's, but it's, you know, if if you're not really working very hard. All you do is get the 30 usual suspects, Mm -hmm. the ones that end up in PDN and all these magazines over and over and over again. And I think that one of the challenges for um, you as the new generation of photographers is how you come up and raise yourselves, you know, create awareness about yourselves and your work. So I know that's probably one of the more daunting aspects (laughs) of this thing, but... How do you see yourselves in terms of being able to get yourself out there beyond just you know the meeting to get gigs, but just creating an awareness of you and your work? <laughs> um, you know, thank God for the internet. Yeah, Great thank God for the internet. Um, just this idea of being able to expose yourself in all ways and having people relate to that. You know, I have a personal blog. I have a professional blog. I have the fa- the Facebook and the MySpace, and you know, I'm a little too out there on a lot of them sometimes. But <laughs> uh, you know, I I just got Google Analytics, and I'm looking at where hits are coming from, and I'm realizing that people, country over, world over, are, you know, they're noticing me, and I just. Hope they don't notice me too much. <laughs> Another good point on that is that um, you become invisible as far as your like physical characteristics mm-hmm. or, or or the way you begin to use linguistics, and it becomes about ideas mm-hmm. being shared throughout the world. Mm-hmm. So there isn't all that baggage that people have to go through. Like, I don't like your blue shirt, so maybe <laughs> I'm starting to think of you in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a big positive. In, in terms of the role of the internet, um, much of your, I guess, much of your learning of other photographers has largely come out of the internet. My generation, we were dependent on monographs, you know, going out there and getting the books or actually having to go to the library. How has this accessibility to, to images so easily um, not only sort of educated you in terms of, you know, what a good photograph is, but sort of helped guide your your eye in terms of how you see and how you shoot and you know in terms of just influencing you in the, to be the photographer that you are well it's it's weird i don't know if anybody else does this but i go through stages where you know i'll really go out and i'll, I'll start seeing work and i see something in a magazine and i'll go look at their website and i look at all their work and then i kind of find a bunch of people that are doing similar things that i really like and i start to try to do that as well and then once I find myself kind of almost taking too much, then I say, okay, I can't do this anymore. I have to stop looking at, you know, all the work. Um, like, all the work just that I, I see through magazines. And I stop looking people up, and I just start kind of concentrating on my own thing, and then it goes kind of back into the same cycle. Mm. So, How about you, Anthony? I get a lot of sometimes uh, from the Internet what not to shoot. You do get a lot of good things, but you'll see a lot of bad stuff. And I don't want to be one of those like image makers that put the bad stuff up. I, you know, so I want to, I definitely use it that way. It's like, okay, this is, I don't like this or I don't like that. And that's just my opinion, but I just, there's, I, there's a lot of bad stuff out there. And I kind of, I use the internet that way to see the stuff that I know I don't want to make and end up being, how do you guys find the good stuff? I mean, the stuff that really... I mean, because it's, it's overwhelming it's a, what's out there. It's so a, It's a... It's a 
vortex, you know? Like, you dive in, you see one thing, and then it leads to another, and then it leads to another, and it's just... It's like finding one thing that you like, and then they recommend something, and then it just like keeps going. It's a spiral, you know, and that's what's been happening to me. Because before I used to be like, "How do you find? St- how do you just find random people?" But you just go on this crazy tangent. And um, I saw this guy's website the other day, and I, apparently he was in PDN thirty, like either this year or last year, and it was so inspiring because it kind of speaks to this idea of like tr- trying to like fit into something and. And then seeing that you don't always have to do that or just, like, do what you love. And this guy is a freaking, he's a, he went to San Francisco in whatever, the, the art school there. <laughs> and he he started becoming a, an ice fisherman or a polar fisherman in Alaska. And then he did this project where he photographed the fishermen on the boats. And, like, the project is so beautiful, but it just made me really, like, it was all about his life and, like, what he experiences out there. And they're not, and you don't think, oh, that's commercially viable or whatever. But but it was, and, like, he just blew up because of it. And now, like, people are hiring him to do, like, these stories about, you know, the ocean and fishing and all of this kind of stuff. And I don't know, I thought that was really amazing. Yeah, let's talk about personal projects, because I think that's a big part. Because I, I, I've, it seems, despite all the efforts to make the perfect portfolio book, I've heard story after story after story of photographers who pursued something they were passionate about, Irregardless of whether they thought it would be marketable, mm-hmm. and they just went with it, and as a result of them creating that work and it getting out there, all of a sudden opportunities created themselves. So, mm-hmm. but I know that, especially now, because of all the demands on your time, dedicating yourself to a personal project is even more daunting, particularly when you have to con- have concerns in terms of paying bills. But what role do you see, particularly in your first several years? Um, the the personal projects playing in terms of your development as photographer. I think it's important because just to shoot, like um, we talked to a couple people that have graduated, and, and you talk about what they're doing, and they're like, oh, you know, I really haven't shot anything for myself, and they're like losing interest a little bit because they just they haven't been doing the shooting like we we do while we're in school because you're always shooting on time, constantly, nonstop, and that was like the biggest thing I had heard from them was like just something that they could shoot for themselves on their own just to keep like their mind fresh and moving and they'll talk about how they haven't done it and they'll go show their work to people and it's like oh this is kind of stale this is what we've seen all the time but you know what are you doing to like just keep yourself moving and i think the biggest thing is the personal project you have to have one i think do you have any do you guys have any personal projects that you're working on right now i know you've, you've done that stuff in in yeah, south la I haven't, I haven't been working on that and I'm definitely, like, working on some ideas right now because I'm about to graduate, and I don't want that to happen to me where I'm like, oh, I have nothing to do. And so right now I'm just kind of throwing around some ideas in my head for, for doing little personal projects. I don't, I don't want to be, like, just totally dead afterwards. <laughs> when, when you, I don't know, maybe you guys have experienced doing the personal projects, but um, becomes almost like it, you start losing track of time mm-hmm. and you're not thinking of right. I've got to get X amount of shots yeah. but it's more of you participating within the space or the people or environment that you're in and um, you end up with some amazing stuff mm-hmm. in terms of you guys have had the opportunity to talk to people who've graduated from, from here you know who graduated like the term before a year before two years before from their experience what mistakes have you kind of learned not to make going out there? Let's see. That you think are real high on your, your you list of things to avoid. You cannot be afraid of rejection. Yeah. You yeah. cannot. If someone says, this is dumb, it's like, okay. That's cool. It's just their interpretation of things. It's not you. You're not a horrible person. You're not stupid. <laughs> you know, you can move on to the next person. You're going to look for a job. Also, you have to market. You can't hang mm-hmm. out for a month right, right, right. Yeah. and then decide to look for a job. Yeah. The day door. after you get out, you send out promos like it's nobody's yeah. business. Yeah. And you work mm-hmm. every day for five hours. I mean, I haven't done it yet, so. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm still in school, so I, you know, I can slack off. Yeah, but slack off. The thing is that I talk to so many of them, and they're not doing they're any chilling. of that. And I've watched all of us with our branding, and we are obsessed with our branding, yeah. and we are involved in it 100%. Yeah. And we all fantasize about our business cards. <laughs> our letterhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you are not passionate about the extension of your images, right. it's just, you know, 
I care so much about my business cards. Yeah. yeah. And I can't wait to just like, awesome. give them to someone. Yeah. <laughs> be like, look at, touch it, call me later. We can gab about how pink this is. <laughs> you have to be willing to put the money down for, even if they're cheap promos. Right. And, and you, you have to commit to, to sending them. things. And you you have to. If not, because I had a friend that got out. Like, I started, he was probably out a year when I first started here. And he's not doing anything now. And it was just because I was like, what are you doing for, like, promotion? He's like, nothing. Like, as an architect photographer, you don't have to really promote yourself a whole lot. As a what? Architectural. Architectural photographer. And it's like, how does the architect know to come give you a job (laughs) if you're not promoting yourself, you know? And it was like that kind of thing. And, like, he just... He was totally against it. And I was like, well, how are they going to find you if you're like, I'm not sending anything out. And now he's back in San Diego doing construction, which, you know, whatever, that's fine. But it's like, you need to make a run at it at least. He didn't even make a run. It's yeah. like something, anything to get yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the biggest like, thing I learned from, from someone who's graduated. And also to, to keep yourself occupied. Yeah. Um, part-time job or whatever it may be uh, and I feel this every break that I've had here through school where I kind of feel like I'm coming down from a very hard drug and I don't know <laughs> what to do yeah. Yeah. Yes. and um, I felt that even in, in, after the speed dating yeah. uh, it's just a massive amount of confusion so yeah. anything that's, that's physical or just working at Starbucks which I'm, I'm, I'm shooting for yeah. uh, and, then, exactly. and then working on the side you, you balance it out because it's that's what it's not you're sitting on the couch and yeah. Ugh. I was going to say that I think something that I've seen a lot that I think is a huge mistake is people get their egos too built up. And so then they don't, they're not willing to have some humility and do some shitty job, which you have to do. So then, because they think that they, they're going to be like some kind of art star afterwards. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's not the reality. You have to do whatever you have to do to survive. And I feel like that's something that, you know, most of us have is just like this knowing that we have to do whatever we have to do. Mm-hmm. You know? It's because we're working class. <laughs> I think that has to do with just fear, just being yeah, scared. Yeah. I mean, yeah. fear, and I mean everything. But also, oh. most graduates become really isolated. Like, yeah. yeah, they become in, overprepared, or they they try to overprepare themselves. Yeah, and just not like they need they need their stuff together. They need their computer, <laughs> you know, organized. They need all their stationery in one place. They need everything ready for that call to come in, and then right. they never which is send not, anything out. Which is I, yeah, I've heard one fellow graduate, uh, I think he graduated two or three years ago, he said, you know, I only have 15 images in my book. How can I look for work? <laughs> He's like, really? That? No, no. Get, get out of here. Just, get, you know, go, go work somewhere else. Yeah. It's not going to work. And I think the isolated thing, like Silo was talking about, is that, like, we do. It's like we, it's, you're in your room and you're on your computer doing your yeah. own thing and no one, like, keeps that, like, sense of community and like even if it's just meeting for like dinner and like yeah. everyone brings some work and like oh this is like something I've been working on and, and like back and forth that way I think that's like a, another big thing you have to keep when we get out of here is that like sense of community so we have someone to fall back on and show work to each other and get that feedback and oh this is my new promo and people going uh, I don't know about yeah. this type maybe you should think about this you know and that's like, like the biggest thing I think we need to keep I think that's one of the I, I think it's a universal trait that photographers have a tendency to isolate yeah and and that, I think, is probably the biggest flaw that can hamper your ability to succeed because you're, especially now, because you're so dependent on the computer for your craft. Right. So you, you, you think you're working. Right. So that's your excuse you're to sit like on the computer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm a big proponent of trying to meet at least one new person a week in some way. So how, are you, how do you guys see yourselves being able to do that? Particularly with all the challenges that you're going to be facing, you know, right out of the right out of the gate, how how do you see yourselves making that happen? Pro bono work or, or volunteering, whether it's, it's mentoring, teaching, or taking on projects for organizations that probably don't have enough funds, uh, you're still getting yourself out there out there. And at the same time, not, if, if you're not creating work, if you're teaching or mentoring, you're constantly reconfiguring how you see the world of photo, how you see yourself, how you see your work, how you see work in general. So it, it, it keeps the creativity going and meeting people along the way. Oh, yeah. How many of you guys are considering being assistants to other photographers that are working out there? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. definitely. Pretty much. I've, I've been had, oh, yeah. lucky enough to have a chance to assist with a couple of people already. 
and I've learned a bunch. Yes. Just in the two times that I've assisted on some car shoots, it was like, well, it kind of blew my mind, like the, how much I picked up that just on those two times, you know, because it, it is a different different world than being in school. And like, this is how you do this, and this is how it's going to work. And you're like, wait, no, you get out, and there's like way, way more things to know than what we really know. So I think assisting is going to be a huge, huge help. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I'm a huge homebody. I love being at home and never leaving the house. <laughs> but, you know, part of my job now is to go to every gallery opening mm-hmm. and to go to networking meetings at the bars and just being leaving the house several times a week to introduce myself and here's my business card you know i have you have that icebreaker now and you know just getting out of the house i don't want to but what are you guys no sam just getting out of the house and actually go in places and you know whether it is that networking party or whatever it is just somewhere just to talk to people, even if you just see like an old acquaintance somewhere. Yeah, but it's better than sitting at home. I think getting dressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Like, it's a trick you. I play on myself. Yeah. You know, I get dressed in the morning and I do all this stuff because, yeah. like, in your mind, then you're like, okay, I'm ready to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you have to no, do that. I agree. Getting up early because, like, working at home, yeah. it's like being in your sweats all day is a trap. You know. <laughs> No, it is. It's but a even trap. With school, like you get up and you're like, oh, I don't want to change. I'm just whatever. Yeah, and you're like yeah. on your computer and like definitely have to get up. I got to put my clothes on. I got to take yeah. a shower. Like yeah. first thing in the morning, not like later in the afternoon. Yeah. And even if you just like just say get out to meet somebody just somewhere, just like, Hi. or go grab some coffee, go to the store, something. Just get out of the house. Yeah. Do something, and I think that'll get you kind of rolling more. Even unli- yeah, unlikely things, just like going I don't know to the gym, even and just yeah. be, like meeting people or whatever, mm-hmm. just because. Just keeping that social, you know, network going, regardless. In unlikely places, I feel like is even a better way sometimes, you know. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge for you guys is just going to be getting into the habit of doing it because you have the structure know, of school, and all of a sudden when that, when that isn't there, <laughs> it's going to have to be oh, about yeah. teaching yourself new habits in terms of you need to have someone X number to check of, you. You know, like for me, I feel like my roommate and I like we're like checking each other, and it's good to have like those checks and balances because like it's hard to be like your own self motivator. So someone, if you're like, hey, what'd you do today, or if like you guys check in with each other and be like, so tell me about what you did today, and I do that to my roommate all the time. I'm like, Corey, tell me what you did today. <laughs> you know, or what, how are you preparing? You know, I'm always asking her that. And like, if you have a buddy or just someone to be like to answer to, it really helps. You know, you know, it's fascinating. Like, it will probably surprise a lot of people who listen to this thing is that you guys aren't talking about equipment. You guys aren't talking about <laughs> software. You know, don't know anything. You know, but a lot, of, but a lot of people think, oh, I have to own X amount of equipment or certain brands of equipment. No, no, I no, need no, to no. be proficient in software before I can anybody. even <laughs> consider, you know, trying to make it a go as a professional photographer. No way, man. All you need is your camera. Yeah. Well, you guys are very passionate about that not being a concept. Why? Because, I mean, the, the equipment doesn't no make money. images. <laughs> what? We have no money. <laughs> not only the money, but, like, the equipment doesn't make the images, it really man. It's, it's, it's all from you. I mean, the camera's a light box. Doesn't leak, hopefully. <laughs> and, and, but like, really, it all comes from like you and the stuff you experienced. That the equipment's kind of secondary. You can rent all that stuff if you have to. Yeah, it's a tool. You, you rent what you need, or you know, you have your one go-to thing that you. That you or you use. share with your friends. You know, one or person has the lights, one person has yeah. a camera. You know, get your get your people together, and everybody has something, and that way you can work it much better if you don't have money. You know. And at the same time, I I really enjoyed what. Uh, guest speaker pointed out uh, last night about after a long period of time of shooting you begin to naturally condition yourself to to see these things so I, I find myself taking walks as well just yeah. staring yeah. so you're already doing it without the camera oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and that, it, that just the becomes an introduction to the, the world <laughs> yeah because yeah, exactly. some people need to shoot like all, all the time I'm like no yeah. way man just, you, know, know, you gotta let it ruminate light, a little once, bit once you learn to see the light yeah when we park in the garage and then we walk around to the back side of the house yeah. and you know at three in the afternoon the light hits yeah. the fence just right yeah. and you look at it and you're like yeah that's all i need for yeah. today like, yeah. no, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good exactly like the other day i actually i got a chance to sit out in front of the house in the afternoon and like smoke a cigar and just kind of hang out and the light was so amazing and like I was like normally you know you have to have someone to kind of talk to but I was just like sitting out there like staring at light and it's kind of weird to like think that's like 
oh man, this is like such a nice break. <laughs> Sit and stare at light, but it was nice. It was really nice, and like some of the light around Pasadena and LA is amazing, amazing light around this place. I think that's one of the great, great gifts about being a photographer that even when you don't have a camera, you can stop. See the beauty of the light. Everybody's rushing, it's trying like to get to where they're power. going. It really is. It really is. It really is. Because no one, no one appreciates it like another photographer. We live on a lower level, and there's a huge complex behind us. And I know that in the summer at 6.15, when the sun's going down, it hits the large bay window, and it bounces back into, onto the sidewalk. And the sun's going down, so you're backlit. And it hits you, so you're frontlit. And it's a soft, beautiful light. It's amazing. No, no one gets that like us. No one. Yeah, the day she found that, I was walking out from locking the and door. And I stood in it, and he was like, what? I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's, it's really weird to, like, think Jeez. that's what it is. Yeah. 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 Nerds. Sort of a fallback question would be asked about where you guys sort of see yourselves in five years oh. or ten years. And I'm not going to ask you that question. Run. Because <laughs> it's just it's so weird. But that's too scary what I want right to ask now. each of you is. Please want to graduate. How do you want to feel? Ooh about what you do and what you're doing in five years. I want to feel the same way I do now. Which is? Like, like lucky. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's like I get up and, and on a daily basis and get to go play all day. I came to school for three years and I played, you know. Like, I was learning stuff and I was doing things, but I, I, I played. Like, and it was, it, it's not work for me. It's, it's play. Like, I'm in either in the studio or I'm in the dark room or I'm talking to somebody about photo or something about photo and it's, it's, it's all play. It's just a good time and that's where I want to be at in five years is just like waking up and going, man, this is the best job in the world. I get up and I play all day. I want to <laughs> feel like I still have more to learn. I, I want to feel like I still have things to explore and I want to continue to feel that for the rest of my life like be like excited because I don't know this and I'm gonna you know go out there and search for it and that's what I want to feel more than anything just also being almost a sense of empowerment but not over other people but um (laughs) it it gives you almost like this 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 internal internet if, if you want to put it that way uh you don't have to go seek out Poetry by Edgar Allan Poe or anything of that sort. You're creating it on a day-to-day basis, and uh, you get to share it with people. Sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't. But the good thing is, just like you were noticing the light, uh, you have a memento of yeah. what you think is, is beautiful in life. So it's it's fun. Yeah, as long as you don't feel stagnant, mm-hmm. you know, after a period of, of years, and you just feel like you've been doing the same thing over and over and over and over and. You know, if you can change it up a bit mm-hmm. and still feel good about what you're doing, still feel happy, like Anthony said, and just like going out and playing, that'd be great. Can I make and a terrible. total side note? <laughs> make it to Sylvia, isn't it? Okay. I, I, I want, okay, I have like five and ten year goals, so um, as far as feelings go, I, this medium literally took me from this horrible hole of a boring life. <laughs> And I'm in a completely different place now. Even if I'm in debt, I I just want to feel like I this all didn't go to waste. This probably has been like the peak of my life so far. And I hope that it's not the peak. I hope that there's a lot more to come. But I'm just so fulfilled. And I really didn't feel that way three or four years ago. Radical changes. Um, to kind of go back to you saying how we don't really focus on the equipment and all that kind of stuff, I just wanted to make a side note about how, for me, more than anything, it's about, and I feel like for everybody, everybody should think about who they are around and whether they have a support system, because I think that's more important than anything. Like, people who, like, hanging out with people that believe in you, people that think that your work is awesome and that encourage you, and not to let yourself be surrounded by people who are like, oh, you could never do that, or this work is ridiculous. Like, maintaining a network of people that really support you and believe in you more than anything, I think, is more important. That's great. Well, the last question I always ask is I ask each photographer to recommend or suggest one other photographer whose work they admire or have recently discovered. So each one of you has each of you has an opportunity to do that. So which photographer would you like our listeners to discover and why? 
I'll just talk about how I'm completely obsessed with Dan Winters yeah. now. I, you know, I knew he existed. I, I seen his images, but we had a chance to meet him yesterday, and he's awesome, and he's smart, and he's funny, and we got we had a chance to see him light, and he's meticulous, and it's just he's so proficient in his craft. I could only hope that in 20 years someone can look that way at me and look up to me like I look up to him now. I would have to say uh, good old William Eggleston. Uh, it's well known, but um, what I get out of his his interviews and photographs is accessibility, and it reminds me of how I was introduced to photo. I didn't know how to decipher the technical aspect or the fine art aspect of some works, but I just understood them as beautiful, and he continues to, from my point of view, believe this way, and I enjoy creating that way. You know, I think I'm going to have to go with the, the nice guy route and, and it's just um, Jeff Lipsky. Is, mm-hmm. He's awesome. He's just, like, <laughs> he's the nicest guy and the most helpful guy. And it seems like all the great photographers out there that have come to speak to us have just been really, really nice and helpful and good people. And that's super encouraging. Um, Boy, James. Uh, he actually came in and talked to us uh, last term in my, one of my motoculture classes. And super cool guy, shoots a lot of stuff that I want to shoot, off-road stuff. And he was cool enough to bring me out on a couple shoots and let me assist. But super cool guy, gave me a lot of time. In between shooting, when we were on set, he was, he was like pulling me behind the, like, the camera and like, okay, look at this and look at that and think about this when you're shooting. So definitely Boy James was one of those guys that... I found just recently and it's super cool one to help. I want to say this guy whose name I can't remember and I'm so sad. <laughs> but he's the guy. Okay. Yeah. But he's the guy who I was talking about, the guy who did the, you know, you could find him. His name's Corey. I don't remember his last name, but he's the one who did the, the polar fishing kind of thing. It was just super inspiring to see somebody just do a personal project and, and have that be a successful a successful thing. Well, you can let me know. And, and yeah, I'm going to email you later. How about that? Because I love him. I, yeah. I was so inspired by that project. I mean, I've ne- and the reason why is because I've never seen those photos before. Like I've never seen anything like it, and mm. it was it was amazing. So. Okay, so why don't you just um, repeat your name and where our listeners can go and check out your work, be it your website or your or your blog. My name's Amber Gress, and you can find it at ambergress.com. Joseph Escamilla at er, and josephescamilla.com blogs on there. Uh, my name is Maurice Salazar, and my work can be seen at maurissalazar.com. CeciliaGavia.com. Uh, Anthony Cobos, and it's anthonyfcobosphotography.com. Thanks, guys. This was great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for another episode. If you have any comments or suggestions, please email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com, post a message on the blog on thecandidframe.com, or on the fan page on facebook.com. You can also now follow me on Twitter and join the Flickr group on flickr.com. Links for both of these are on the blog. Till next time, this is Ibarion X Pirello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. photocastnetwork.com.